Good morning. How are we doing? It's good to see you in church again. It's, um, it was great to see the, the students being, you know, sent and you've got a kind of mission field ahead of you like all of us. And I hope today this message will help you. Um, and I really feel it will. I really feel I've got a message about sending people and equipping people. God wants us to be sent. He doesn't want us just meet together. He wants us to be sent. But he doesn't just send us empty handed. He equips us to go. How awesome is that? So we think we've got to do it all ourselves. But he's like, I'll equip you and I'll send you because I'm the king. And I send you as ambassadors. As, uh, uh, was it Steffi? I said, ambassadors. Okay, you're sent by the king on behalf of the king. How awesome is that? That the king would send you. He picks you, chooses you and says, I'm going to send you into that place. Wow. With my message. With my authority. How awesome's that? And the king says it. So go with it. Be empowered. And I just really feel I've got a message this morning. I'm going to talk a bit. Is that okay? I really feel, you know, when you're trying to, sometimes you try and put a message together and you wrestle through and you've got thoughts and, you know, I'll give you a bit of structure, but I just got a lot of thoughts this morning. Okay. So, you know, I've spoke on David, this David series and looked at the, mainly focusing on the kingdom of God. Cause this year as a church, we've been praying the Lord's prayer. You know, and, and so it kind of ties into that. But, you know, we can all, if you're, if you're a guest this morning, hopefully this will still help you. But we've been praying the Lord's Prayer and the importance of that. So hopefully I'll speak this morning to help us understand some of that Lord's Prayer and why Jesus taught them to pray that prayer. But week one, I said that David established the kingdom. He took authority and he was, you know, chosen by God. And he came and he ruled and he defeated the enemy. They, they, they wiped out the enemy in those lands. And he established the rule and his authority in the kingdom. And I, and I also said that, but then God sends uh, a prophet to him and says that God's going to establish his kingdom. And the kingdom that God is going to establish, I'm losing my voice this morning, that God is establishing, okay, is an everlasting kingdom. So David establishes a kingdom, but God says, I'm going to establish my kingdom. But this kingdom will be everlasting. It will not end. And he is the establisher. So why I said that is because he's the establisher of the kingdom. God, through Jesus Christ, is the establisher of the kingdom. He's the one who defeats the enemy. He's the one who has all authority. He's the one who God has lifted now above and seated him. He is known as the name above all names. There is no other name that we can be saved by but Jesus Christ. He is the king. So as much as we look at David, I said that David is a prototype or he points towards, he's a type of Jesus Christ. He's a type of Christ, but he's not the king. He established values in his life, principles in his life that pointed to God or to the king, but he's not the king. He was a king, but not the king. The king is Jesus Christ. And God gave all glory to Jesus Christ. So then, so that was week one. Then week two, so week one was establishing the kingdom. God establishes the kingdom. We enter the kingdom by putting faith in Jesus Christ. That is the entry point. It is your faith in Jesus that gets you in. Nothing else, not your righteousness, not your good deeds, nothing. Just acknowledging that we're all sinners and I need to get into God's kingdom. And Jesus is the one who gets us into the kingdom. So I put my faith in Jesus. He establishes the kingdom. I put my faith in him. But then we have a responsibility to cultivate, to be in the kingdom. 
And I said, it's a bit like when you start a new job and you need to find out, well, who's the boss and what does the boss like to do? How does he behave? What are the values in this company? How do we function? And we need to read the Bible, read about Jesus. It all points to Jesus. We follow Jesus. He is the one who we follow and we behave like him. We treat people as he treated people. We cultivate a lifestyle of the kingdom. Making sense. So Jesus is the establisher. We put our faith in him. Then we follow Jesus and we begin to cultivate a lifestyle that, again, points to Jesus the King. So no glory is to us, but all glory goes to Jesus the King. No righteousness to us, just simply grace by God that empowers us and all glory to Jesus the King. Making sense. I find it interesting that Jesus never points to himself. He only ever points to the Father. Makes sense. And I think we learn a lot from that if we actually realize our lives shouldn't point to us, it should point to Jesus. Because Jesus pointed to someone else, the Father. So our lives should point to Jesus. Our decisions should point to Jesus. The decisions we make on a daily basis, the prayers we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done, is all about Jesus. It's not about us. So we have to let that, almost that will in our lives, that power in our lives, we have to surrender it over Jesus, okay? And do his will, not my will. Making sense. That's the battle we have, to surrender our lives, to make sacrifices like Christ did. So we cultivate this kingdom lifestyle. We talked about respect and how we treat people, loving one another. And I finished and said that they'll know, Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by the love you have for one another. Who would not want to be in a kingdom where we love one another? What a great kingdom to be in where we don't put ourselves, but we put others before ourselves. We love our neighbor as ourselves. And imagine cultivating a, a life and a, a family and a home and a, and, a, and a ministry. Everything we do where we put in others before ourselves and loving one another. What a great kingdom to be in. That's our king. That's what he did for us. He inspires me. He went before me. He gave his life. He lowered himself. He sacrificed his life unto death. What an amazing king we follow. Now we get to follow that. But you know, this week, I want to talk about extending the kingdom. David defeated the enemies, and he extended his borders. He extended the kingdom. Israel at that time is, is known as its most powerful time. It's never been as powerful as that when David took over, apart from somebody who came after, slightly after his son. Okay? But David extended the kingdom. Okay, how does he do it? Let's look at some lessons from David first of all. He defeats the enemy. How amazing. Goliath, he defeats Goliath. He understood God, talked about last week, he knew God, and God empowered him to take down Goliath. You know, he was an amazing warrior. He took victories over the Philistines, the Moabites, Amorites, Edomites, or Edomites. He suppressed many rebellions that came up against him. We could talk about that, couldn't we? You know, and many of, many of these things, many of these fights are actually internal to us now. We have our own battles. We have our own enemies going on in here rather than out there. We have problems out there, but most of our battles that need to be defeated are in here. Are you with me? They're in here now. Our rebellion, our attitude, our willingness, our surrender, our love for people. Our hatred, our anger, our issues are all internally that we're battling with. David learned to defeat the enemies in the land. He extended the kingdom. Then he moved the capital from Hebron to Jerusalem. You say, well, what's that about? Well, Jerusalem, the word Jerusalem, we get the word shalom. 
The word shalom, Salem, comes from Jerusalem, comes from shalom, that means the peace of God. So David, in his victory, knew where his victory came from. So he moved to Hebron, the capital, and said, this is the place of worship now. Shalom. Making sense. His peace came from God. Shalom. His provision came from God. You know, peace doesn't just mean, oh, feel nice. Peace means, well, I'm trusted in God, and God will provide for me all the things and the promise he says, so therefore I have peace. Does that make sense? So he doesn't just go, I'll give you my peace. He says, I'll give you my peace and my promise. I'll give you my peace and my provision. I'll give you my peace and my spirit. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will do all of these things for you. I will be your security. I will be your safety. How awesome is that? What an amazing king we have. So David defeated the, 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 the enemy, but he moved the place to the place of worship. And he established a new place of worship in Jerusalem. How awesome is that? Do you get that? See, our number one thing David knew, it was about worship. He knew in his heart and in his mind, his power, the strength, everything he's equipping didn't come from himself. It came from the place of worship and intimacy and love for God. That should be at the center of our lives. Jerusalem, the peace of God, the provision of God, the promises of God, the word of God. What he says to us, David knew that. And he put God number one. So he moved the place of worship or the center to Jerusalem, the shalom, the peace of God. He learned to trust in God, in his provision, his protection. Let's read what it says in Psalm 11, sorry, verse 1. In the Lord, in the Lord, I take refuge. I mean, this guy lived in Saul's, Saul's before he, he, he defeats uh, Goliath and he lives with Saul for seven years he doesn't just become king and I'm the main man he actually lives with Saul for seven years then he's on the run from Saul for four years you think you're having a bad day we read it and it's like what a bad week David's having no it's four years four years he's being persecuted four years he's being chased for what for doing right it doesn't seem right does it but in the Lord I take refuge In the Lord, I take refuge. Psalm 9, verses 1 to, I think we've got 1 to 6. Let's just read it. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. See, Jerusalem, he's he's got the peace of God. He's trusting the provision of God. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. Wow. He's understood it. Ah, God is with me. God's peace, God's provision, God's protection. It is here. I am worshiping God wherever I go. He knew it wasn't about a place. He understood it was about worshiping God. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before me. For you have upheld my right and my cause. How awesome is he? Sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. Jesus is on the throne. God is on the throne. And it's hard sometimes because we look around and think, what's going on in the world? Why is Jesus on the throne? We'll find out in a minute because I'll explain a bit more. But Jesus is on the throne. And David knew the judge is on the throne. I know it's not going right right, right now and it's, you know, Saul's chasing me for the last four years. When's it going to end? He could have given up on you, you know, last day just before he gets breakthrough. But no, four years uh, Saul is chasing him. 
But he knew God. And he knew God was his refuge. And he knew God was on the throne. And he'd sing and rejoice because he knew the shalom of God. He knew the provision of God. Not just in words. He knew the action of God. He knew the peace of God. He knew he saw God's outworking in power when he was chased. He knew where to hide and what not to do and what to do. He knew the wisdom of God, the power of God in his life on a daily basis. But David understood the security and the protection of God. That God would protect him all the days of his life. Even when he messed up, he could go back to him and be restored. So let's just look at, that's the lessons from David. He extended the kingdom. Let's just look at the lessons from King Jesus. What an awesome king we have. You know, Jesus comes to defeat the enemy, just like David. Comes to defeat the Goliath. The big Goliath, the intimidator of this world. Sin and death. And he defeats it. You know, and he can say things like, things can be said from Scripture. It says, death, where's your, so you know it, where's your sting? The sting has been removed. Jesus comes to remove the sting out of the scorpion. So the scorpion Cannot sting. We went to the museum yesterday, right? We took the kids. They were showing animals in the museum. And they put a scorpion in the middle of the room. And all the kids were freaking out because it's going to run. It's going to run. And they put it in the middle of the room. They said to the kids, lie down on the outside. Lie down. And you can see someone, they're a bit reluctant. And they said, lie down. He said, now go closer. And they got the kids all around the outside, creeping forward. And he said, lie on your face. And they were like, ah. And they were with that distance from the scorpion. And I'm thinking, if this thing stings... We're up the hospital, right? Jesus has removed the sting. He's removed that sting. Death, sin has been removed. Amen? So we as a people should have a power. An understanding that Jesus has defeated that. Therefore, we have victory over that. So we should be singing like David, the Lord is my refuge. We should be singing that the king's on the throne because of what Jesus has done. Jesus is on the throne He's defeated death. And you say, yeah, but I'm having a bad day. We'll look at that in a minute. Let's just read this scripture that Paul, in Romans, I think it's chapter 8. We read bits of this scripture and quote it. But we've got to understand the context of the people, and we'll look at this in a second, of what was actually going on in the New Testament. It says, verse 28, And we know... That in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. How amazing is that? That God uses your situation for good. The situation you're feeling right now is as difficult. God says, I'm using it for good. You say, I don't understand. Yeah, but God says he'll use it for good. Wow. You are being called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Wow. So David understood if God was for him, who could be against him? 
I mean, you've got God on your side, the one living God, the most powerful, mighty God who, you know, in the Old Testament, you see amazing acts that happen through the power of God. That same God was with David. That same God we see through Jesus Christ. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Wow, David was chased by Saul. David understood it is God that judges. It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Wow. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. What a great journey this is to be a Christian. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Wow. David was persecuted. He faced famine. He faced difficulty. But he understood who God was. He understood the peace of God, the shalom of God, the provision of God. He held on to God. He understood the judgment of God that God would justify him. What can come against us when we have God? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who is the establisher of the kingdom? Jesus. Who is the one who loves us? Jesus. Who is the one who will make sure you you are protected, you are secure? Jesus. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. No sting, no scorpion, no Goliath, no intimidator, no fear. Nothing can stop you from being separated from the love of God. And, and you, we look at ourselves and think, yeah, but how is that humanly possible? It's not humanly possible. It's godly possible. It's God who's designed it. It's God who's created it. And he promises never to leave you. He promises to protect you, to provide for you all the days of your life. He promises never to leave you. How awesome is he? Knowing all these things, I'll read it again. We are more than conquerors through him. Not just a conqueror. We're more than a conqueror. For him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How awesome. Nothing. Come on, stop it. Come on, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop punishing yourself. Stop telling yourself you're no good. What can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. What can separate you from the kindness of God? Nothing. What can separate you from the mercy of God? Nothing. What can separate you from the grace of God? Nothing. And you need to rise up as a warrior of God and say, I'm going to follow my king. And I'm going to be equipped with what he says about me, not what the world says about me. Because I'm tired of the world. It wears me out. I'm going to be equipped with what he says. What can separate us? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, it's losing me voice. 
This is Jesus Christ, the greatest conqueror in all. All glory to him. Jesus is the king. He's on the throne. And nothing can separate us. See, if we don't understand this, we won't be able to extend the kingdom. Because we won't be able to testify and witness to who he is. Because on day one, we go out there and we have a difficult time. We think, my world's falling apart. But God's saying, yeah, but look what I said. I'll use it for good. You see, this scripture is written to a New Testament people that are being equipped with what they need to face persecution. Making sense. They knew that they were establishing a kingdom in an area where there was a king or lord known as Caesar. And in, these, in this area, if they came in and said, there's a God who's coming to take over and bring a new authority, they knew that would be threatening towards their lord. So they would be instantly killed or punished, thrown to lions, put on a cross, burnt alive, whatever you want to call it. That was what they faced on a Monday after church on a Sunday. And we have to get over ourselves that we're having a bad day. We're not having a bad day. You're having a good day because God's using it all for good. We have to get over ourselves. We'll never extend the kingdom if we don't fix our eyes on the king and see what he went through for us. And then begin to receive his grace and his mercy on a daily basis that will heal you, will provide for you, will restore you, will redeem you from the inside out. So that you can be the Jerusalem, the place of worship in spirit and in truth on a daily basis. That's what he wants. That's what he offers. Are you still with me? He's the extender of the kingdom. You don't extend the kingdom. He extends the kingdom. Well, I've got to do something. Yeah, we have to do something. We have to become like vessels, instruments in the kingdom that make the sound of the kingdom, the sound of the king out in the world. Somebody likes it at the back anyway. Is that Teddy? Teddy's praising me and cheering me on. Good lad, Teddy. Can you hear me, Teddy? He's sitting up, Luke. <laughs> But you know, that's lessons from the king. Here's the deal, right? God, just like in the New Testament, had to equip the New Testament believers that they could witness to their king. Make sense? So we too, in the new, new, older New Testament, further on, right? We too, our job today is to witness to the king. Make sense? Our job is to witness. We aren't the king. We're just witnesses to the king. We're like ambassadors that are sent on behalf of the king with a message. But, you know, nobody will listen to our message unless our life has some kind of lining up to what we're saying. Otherwise, it's what we call hip, you know, we're hypocrites. You say this to me, but yeah, and you do this. And in some regards, we're all hypocrites because we all fall short, yes? But we can still endeavor to be the best. We can still endeavor to point to our God who we love. We can still endeavor to go out of our way to witness. And in the New Testament, much of what you read in the New Testament in here was written so that they could walk in integrity. You know, if you read the teachings, it's all about doing what's right. It's all about how you treat your boss. It's all about how you treat your wife. It's all about how you treat your husband because they needed to know how they should behave so that those watching them would say, oh, I see this. I understand these principles that they're living. I get the heart and the spirit of how they're behaving. In simple terms, Jesus said, you'll know them by the love you have for 
one another. We're not just doing it so we have a nice time. We're doing it so that we can be witnesses. We're not doing it so we can be fakes and say, look at me, I'm a witness. No, a genuine heart walking in truth and in spirit so that you become a new creation and you're changed. So that people see you and say, what's different about that person? Why did they not lie when I asked them to cover that thing up? Why did they do what's right? Why did they not join in the crowd when all the crowd were putting those people down? When they were bullying? Why did they not do that? Well, why did that person on their own actually stand up against the bully when everybody else, do you see what I'm saying? This is witness so that our lives line up to what we believe. It lines up to the hope that we have. It points towards our king. And God will use it all for good in his kingdom. And you say, well, this doesn't make me, this isn't the kingdom, it's about grace. Yet it is about grace. But after you read in scriptures, it talks about grace dealing with sin. But then it talks about don't go on and sin. Just because grace is abound over sin doesn't mean we should carry on sinning. But grace should empower us that we should not sin anymore. And we will make mistakes and sin, but we should have a heart. We say, we don't want to, we don't want to sin. We don't want to do wrong. I don't want to rebel anymore. I just want to do what my king wants because I know he's done it for me. He's extended mercy to me. Now I'm going to extend my mercy to others. I'm going to forgive those who trespass against me. I'm going to repay evil with good because he repaid my evil with good and it has changed my life. That is the extension of the kingdom. So we're equipped to witness. And in the New Testament, they were trained in a high level of spiritual and moral integrity. We don't teach this stuff just because, oh, we'll be better people. We teach this stuff so we can be witnesses. So that people can come into the kingdom. And to see the kingdom. You know, the first time I came into the kingdom, nobody gave me a message about Jesus. They didn't tell me about Jesus and what I needed to do. I just met some people who loved me. And I thought, what is it about these people? What were they doing? Witnessing. They never once preached to me. I remember when I got saved, I got filled with the Spirit of God. I had the joy of God filled. I went around telling everybody, Jesus has done this in my life. Telling everybody. Nobody listened to me. Why? Because the sound that I was making was different than what the kingdom is. I was telling people about what God had done, which is all great. We'll look at that in a minute. But the sound that I'm making wasn't of the kingdom. Much of what I was making was about me. But God wants us to witness through our integrity, doing what's right. We can't say we live in a kingdom of righteousness and do what's wrong. We live in a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that's what we witness to. Doing what's right, being at peace with people, and having a joy in life. Having a spirit-filled life that has vitality and blessing coming out of it. Not grumpiness. We have a hope of a king who's on the throne, but every day we're like, oh my word, today's a bad day. I thought he was on the throne. You keep telling me you love Jesus, but you're not on the throne. Is he on the throne? Well, you're made right, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, listen, we go through bad times. We have difficult days, and, you know, we can talk and be honest, and life is hard, and we need to, we need to be honest and talk about that. But ultimately, there's a righteousness, there's a peace, and there's a joy that's available to get us through us so that we can be more than conquerors, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We might have a bad day. We might have a bad week. We might have a bad year, but guess what? We're more than conquerors through him. Because he will not separate that love. It is the greatest thing that I have on this planet. And he will not remove it from my life. 
It is the hope. It is the anchor. It is my faith in him. It is the hope that he gives me. It's a love that's never ending. He's not going to remove it. That's what we hold on to. So we're equipped to witness. You know, they were building a, a capacity in them so that when they were persecuted, they would respond as a witness just as Christ did. I'm glad that I live in where I live at the time right now, that I am not in the time that they were in. People are living in this time in other countries, by the way. They are. They're living in this around the world and being persecuted. We see it on the news, but there's more that's happening around the world. People are still persecuted for their faith. But Jesus promises to equip us that we can still witness to him. Second thing, we're equipped to proclaim. I kind of touched on it really, but we're equipped to proclaim. So our lives live, are witnessing to through the integrity of how we live, but we also have a message. We can't just live our lives and not tell the message. We've got a message. What's the message? What should we proclaim? Jesus is on the throne. We're going to tell people about his righteousness. We're going to tell people about his goodness. We can tell a message. Our lives are matching up to it to the best of our ability, but we also have a message to proclaim. I'm sent as an ambassador with a message. Your testimony is a message. Your words that you give about the scripture, the word of God, is a message. You have a message for this world so that the kingdom can be extended in and through you. Do you believe that? Don't minimize who you are. Don't minimize the message that God's put inside of you. Maximize it. Believe in it. And sometimes it's hard. 2 Peter 3 verse 13 says this. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. That's a bit out there, isn't it? In keeping... With his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and new earth, the home of righteousness, the home of our king. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 6 says this. And I did have a little chuckle when I read this because it's obviously, they say it's written written by John, right? And um, let's just read what it says. It says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I, I might be wrong here, but is John the one who's, who's, who's on the island? So he's stuck on an island, right, for years. And what do you see? Sea. I reckon he was fed up with sea. And God says, I'll be a bit kind to him. I'm going to create a new heaven and a new earth, right, John? And I'll make sure there's no sea just for you. Because you've seen sea for weeks on end, and you're fed up with it. And I loved you, John, so I'm going to make sure there's no sea. Just kidding, right? It just made me chuckle when I read it. Passed away, and there was no longer any sea. John's going, oh, yes, there's no sea. Right. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Luke, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and I will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. 
These are not my words, by the way, but these are God's words. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is, these, these are words that are, you know, a vision given to John, and he sees a new heaven and a new earth. He said, well, why are you talking to me about this? Because we've got to understand that God's going to do something else. He's not finished. Peter writes forward, he's going to keep his promise of a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, so he's speaking of something new that's to come, an extension or a fulfillment of what he promises. So we now live in, just trying to explain this so you understand on a daily basis when you have a difficult time, this isn't it yet, it's not finished. This is why we have to keep going. This is kind of, is this okay? This is kind of the world that God creates. But as you know, in the beginning, Adam rejected God and we had the fall. So this is known, good lighting. This is known, right, as the old creation because it fell. It was the new creation in the beginning. It fell, so it became the old creation and God has to create something new, okay? So then he sends his son, Jesus Christ, and his son comes to bring to establish his kingdom. So the kingdom of God, Jesus rises and he says, the kingdom of God is now. So the kingdom of God is now, Jesus says. So he creates a new creation. Are you with me? So God says, I'll create a new creation. So we have a new creation that Jesus sends us. The dwelling place is in the hearts and the, of men and women. So his new creation is in you. You become the new creation that he creates, okay? So when the kingdom of God comes and you put your faith in Jesus, you become a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. But you still live in the old creation because you have old body, old thoughts, and you live in a world that's still corrupt and fallen, but we are a new creation in the world, we are the light of the world. We are salt and light in this world to testify about the new creation. The king who's on the throne, who is yet to return and establish his full authority over all things. Which he already has, but we haven't seen the outworking of it yet. Am I making sense? So this is the hope that we have. Otherwise, you know, Jesus died, conquered death. That was brilliant. But actually, he ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit back so he could reside in the hearts of people and empower us to witness and to testify about this new creation. Boom. Are we ready? So God has created a new heaven and a new earth where there'll be no more pain, no more tears, no more crying. There'll be none of that, no more death. It will be gone, wiped out. The old will be gone and the new will come about. Are you with me? I know it's a bit out there, but this is the hope that we have. That's what Sarah's speaking about, the hope of those. They saw something that they didn't, they saw it that had not yet come. That's what Abraham did. He saw that God could raise Isaac from the dead. He saw who God was and what God could do. So when we read the words of Jesus, we know he's going to come again. So this new creation that we know is actually influencing the new creation on earth. And the new creation on earth, as it increases, is increasing the new heaven and the new earth. So it's continually affecting one another as we put our faith in God and who he is and what he's going to do and establish. That's who he is. So we should have a confidence on earth. This is about the new creation. Are you with me? So the old 
is still here. So when somebody says to you, yeah, but people are dying. People are corrupt. People are killing people. Yes, because the old creation is still here. But we're here to tell you and point you to somebody else. Let me just talk to you about the, the, the old that happened and what happened and why. And actually, God wants to establish a new authority and a new order. And if you trust on him, you can trust that he will make you right. He will give you his peace, his shalom, his provision, so that you can be secure in him. So even though you die, you shall live again and be in the new heaven and the new earth. Woo! We should be rejoicing and proclaiming a message on this planet that is the best message. We are the church, the hope of the world. Am I helping? Now, this life now, this new life is what we call a spirit-filled or spirit-led life. We cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it. We have Jesus who's the word. But Jesus said this, I must go so that I can send somebody else. What I find amazing about King David, he's still with me this morning. What I find amazing about King David is this. David extended his borders. He defeated the enemy. But then after him, his son was anointed to become king. Solomon. Solomon asked for, if we know the scripture, it says, Solomon said, he said, what do you want? Solomon said, what I want is a heart that can hear, a heart that can discern so that I can govern people and help people. What a heart that is. Wasn't just, he says, and God says, I'm pleased with you because you haven't asked for riches. You haven't asked to, to glorify yourself. You've asked it so you can be an ambassador or, or an instrument for me. And I'm pleased with that. So I'm going to give you a spirit that will enable you to grow in that. So he can govern well with wisdom. This is what happened when Solomon received this. He extended the borders worldwide. Are you hearing that? Why? Because there was something about Solomon that people wanted to know about. Where's that wisdom coming from? Where's that provision coming from? Where are them ideas coming from? Where does that word of knowledge come from? How do you know that? They came from all over the world to come to Jerusalem. Are you making sense? So Jesus said, I must go so that I can send somebody else. And when he sent the somebody else, the Holy Spirit, it said the Holy Spirit came upon them, Pentecost, the kids are learning this morning, and the Spirit empowered them. And it came like a fire, and they become alive for Jesus. He taught them what to do, but empowered them by the Spirit so that they would have a confidence and a boldness and an assurance that God was their protector. And that no matter where they go, they would have the shalom, the peace of God, the provision of God, the promise of God, so that they were empowered by the Spirit to go. So that they went beyond Jerusalem to all ends of the earth. Hence, you sit here today as a provision that God sent and it got to you. Because somebody had the boldness to proclaim it even though they faced the cross. And people witnessed it and thought, what is it about these people that they will lay their lives down? There must be somebody else that they're pointing to. There must be a hope. There must be something. What is it? It's the new heaven and the new earth. And we're called to be spiritful people empowered by God, he offers his his provision so that we can go out from our little world into all ends of the earth. 
God will empower you and equip you to witness and to testify about who he is and that he's on the throne. So that you don't need to freak out on a daily basis, but you can begin to trust him on a daily basis. Begin to trust his peace and his provision, right, on a daily basis so that he's going with you. You trust him. You do what's right. The boss abuses you, but you can still do what's right and have the peace of God and let God judge that person and deal with them as you have peace with God and let him deal with them. Making sense. So God wants to equip us and empower us. How does he do it? By his word and his spirit. You know, this week, Olivia, she plays a few instruments. And I I just feel this, you know, this morning, some people need to do some business with God. Is that okay? God wants to bring some healing. He wants to bring some cleansing. You know, God loves you. Your faith in God makes you right with God. But he can bring some, rest- he can bring some healing and some um, things that need to be done in our lives so he can empower us and equip us for the new season that we're in. You know, and, and it, Olivia's got this trumpet, okay? And I used to l- play a little bit, but it, the, the, the last valve keeps sticking. And if you've ever played an instrument like that, it's so annoying because she's really trying her hardest and she's getting frustrated. And every time she plays a D, which is the first and the last, she lets go, right? And it gets stuck. So the sound that comes out just goes, instead of, right? So it's, it goes, and it just makes a funny sound. Okay, what are you laughing at? <laughs> a funny sound. So the sound's not quite right because there's something. So I know, play the trumpet. I'm thinking, I know what it is. We need some new oil in there. So I go and buy oil, and for about three months, I've been oiling this last valve. It's doing me head in. It's doing Olivia's head in. Keep oiling it. So we oil it. It works for a few, and then all of a sudden, it just gets stuck again. But then I said to Olivia, like, well, mum said to Olivia, you need to write a letter. <laughs> so I write a letter. We send a letter into the teacher. The teacher looks at it. She goes through it. I've been putting the valve the oil in. I've been doing everything I know to do. She says, no, that's not the problem. She says, the problem is there's something in there still. She says, it's the old. So what do you want This is what Olivia's come back. She communicated it very well. She says there's some old oil in there that needs to get cleaned out. I'm like, I never saw that. And I played trumpet. I thought I knew. He says, no, there's something in there that needs to get cleaned out. And I, oh, wow, that makes sense. So she's going to get a special tool, go in there, clean it out, and then we'll put the valve back in. Then we'll put the new oil in, and it will hopefully work correctly. If not, we need to get a new trumpet, right? And that's a little bit like us. We have pains, we have problems, we have things that affect us in life. And God knows all that. He loves us. He's not judging us. He's paid for it. He's given his blood for for you to be made right. But he wants you to walk in righteousness. And sometimes we make a noise. We make like it says, you know, we should make a, a sound of love. But sometimes we don't make that sound. We make what's like a clanging sound because we don't know love. We've not yet received the love of God. We've not accepted the love of God. We've not been cleansed in areas of our lives. So we're making a funny sound instead of the sound that he wants us to make. So we can witness to him and testify and proclaim, this is what Jesus did in my life. That's why I'm blowing a trumpet. That's why the sound sounds better now than it used to. And you think people aren't watching. They are watching. They know the sound that comes from you. They know the sound. They're not stupid. They're not stupid. Tell people that. No, not stupid. They know the sound that's coming out of you. They know if the sound of Jesus is coming out or not. They know the sound of sacrifice and the, the servant heart and the willingness to help people is coming out, but they know when the wrong noise is coming out as well. And Jesus says, let me cleanse you. Let me pour my spirit in you. Let me give you a new oil so I can revive your heart. 
you know, I've done it for six months. I've, I've been in the church and I've done it and I've been like, I've had enough, God. It's hard work. It becomes like a duty. It's wearing me out. I've had enough, God. Do something in my heart. And he showed me an area in my heart that was blocked. It's fear. Scared. Greed, actually. So I hold on to things because I'm scared. I'm not trusting God that he'll provide for me. And he showed the area in my heart. I was like, no way, am I greedy? Am I scared? He says, yeah, when you were 16 and you lost your dad, you became scared. So you built something in your system to make sure that you would be the protector of you. I'm like, wow, did I do that? Am I, am I not trusting you? And it broke my heart that I wouldn't trust him. And I said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And this is what happened. Something happened in my heart and cleansed. So I can make a new sound. How awesome is God? But he needed to pour my spirit. But there was a blockage. Jesus talks about wineskins, new wineskins, old wineskins. You can't pour it into the old. You have to have a new. So that we live in the new creation filled with the spirit. And some of you come church, it's like it's chore. Because you lose your first love. Come on, let's do some business. I want this church to be alive. Can't wait to get here. I want to tell people about Jesus. It's not a chore. It's a delight. It's a delight for people to be here because Jesus is on the throne. But sometimes we're going through something because there's a blockage. God says, let me unblock. Let me come and blow through you. Come on, I'm, I'm so hungry to blow through you so you make a different sound. But you need to just get that valve sorted so that it'll make a new sound. Making sense? Come on, let's stand. Band, come up. Who wants a new sound? And you say, I know Jesus. Yeah, but there's always a new sound. There's always a new song. There's a song of a new area in your life that God can do something. Amen? Okay. We're going to pray. And we're going to believe God to minister to you where you're at. But you've got, to, you, 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 you've got to want that. You've got to be honest with God and say, look, God, this is an area of my life that I need help. And the heart of the matter is this. It's not about us. It's about what he's done. It's about us serving him and a willingness to serve. If we don't want to serve, we have to ask the reason, why don't we want to serve? Why don't we want to serve our kids? Why am I rebelling? What, what is it in my heart that's stopping me want to go the extra mile and be there for my king? There's something in there that you've got to do business with God with if there's a valve being blocked. It's a bit like this. I don't know if you ever had one of those plungers for unblocking your drains. Do they still exist? I'm surprised you can't get an app that does it now. You know? But it, you, you get one of them plungers and the force that pushes, right? Pushes down on the water. The force unblocks what is and it comes out. Are you with me? And God wants to do that sometimes. Let me just put some spirit in you. Let me just put some pressure there. Let me just force that blockage out. Trust me. And it comes out the other side and you'll be much freer than you've ever lived. But the problem is with that blockage, if there's no outlet, if there's no willingness to give out the blessing of God, it's got nowhere to go. You put the pressure on it, just flies flat back in your face. Are you with me? But if there's an outlet, if there's a heart that's willing to go wherever you want God to send you, then when the blessing comes, it's designed to flow in and through you, not just for you. 
And God wants that to flow. Does anybody want the blessing to flow in and through you? You've got to have a heart that's willing to say, I'll step up and play the instruments. I'll step up and stand on the door. I'll step up with a small group. I'll step up at the back. I'll step up in my job. I'll go the extra mile. I'll try my best with my family. I am willing and I want to, but God has to do something sometimes in your life. So let's just close our eyes and we're going to pray. Is there faith in the room for a new creation? Do you believe the old is gone? You know, we contend with it. We wrestle with it. But God says the old has gone. I want to do a new thing. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come, we seek you. We want your will to be done. Do a new thing. Say this, do a new thing in my life. Do a new thing in my life. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come. Some of you need to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time right now. Be empowered by the Spirit. You need to trust the Holy Spirit is the character of Jesus. He won't hurt you. He won't harm you. He just wants what's good for you. So Holy Spirit, we call on you right now. Some of you are receiving the Holy Spirit in your heart for the first time. Some of you are receiving healing. You need to just focus on God and allow Him to heal you right now. Heal you emotionally. Heal you physically in the room. In the name of Jesus, we pray. So Holy Spirit, we invite you. Come. You know, some of you just lift up your arms as a sign of surrender. God wants to blow a refreshing in and through you. Not just for you, but for your home, for your job, so that you can be an outlet for Him. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. You are welcome in our hearts. You are welcome. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for new life. Come. Minister to us so that we can be equipped to witness, to testify, and extend your kingdom, we pray. In the name of Jesus. You know, and if you don't know Jesus, you've got opportunity today to know Jesus. To know that he gives you a hope that he loves you, he died for you, he offers forgiveness and a new start. A new start doesn't mean everything will change automatically, but you can get a new start and begin a new journey of knowing Jesus. And if you're here, you want to know Jesus, just pray this in your heart. Jesus, I want to know you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Come into my life. I thank you. Amen. And if you've prayed that for the first time, please come and speak to me or somebody you've come with. Don't go without telling anybody of receiving Jesus for the first time in your life.